What's happening, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another video on Emmy Unhinged, another podcast. Yet again, me and Oscar are here to break down some fights, to react to some fights, some great topics to talk about on this week's show. Uh, how's it going over there in America, Oscar? It's going great. We're going to have a true UK showcase this weekend. Uh, as you know, the London card, it fell apart, and now it moved to Vegas. And for you, it's going to be on an appropriate start time, so I'm sure you're not going to have to stay up or anything like that. So I'm sure this is maybe the biggest fight night of the year for you. Oh, yeah, 100%. I'm so excited uh, th th for this fight night this weekend. Not not just to see Darren Till, but we've got Paddy Pimley on the show. And Paddy Pimley is one of the biggest stars in, you know, UK MMA. Like, outside of Darren Till, we've got Paddy Pimley. Uh, but, you know, Paddy Pimley is going to steal the show this weekend. Mark my words. This is the guy who was offered UFC contract years ago. And he said, no, I'm not ready yet. And now he's made the proper improvements. I think uh, he's ready to shine on the big show. Yeah, not only was uh, he was offered two contracts for the UFC, one at 21 years old and one at 26 years old. He met, he mentioned that on, on the show when I had him on the show back. I, I, it was like quite uh, maybe about four or five months ago when he was uh, preparing for his last Cage Warriors fight uh, where we talked all about that. Uh, so, yeah, he was preparing for that uh, Cage Warriors fight, got the UFC contract, and now he makes his UFC debut against a tough challenger. And uh, we're here to talk about that. But first off, we're here to react uh, of last weekend. We had Edson Barbos versus Giga Shikarte in the main event. And, oh, my God, Giga Shikarte put on an absolute show. It's phenomenal. What, what are your thoughts, Oscar? Yeah, I believe that Giga Shikarte truly leveled up with this performance. He had the right matchup. A guy who will not take it to the ground. So there was no concern about the takedown here. So Giga Chikaze truly let loose for the first time uh, in MMA. And he looked amazing doing it. He clearly won the first round. The second round was a little competitive. But the third was not competitive at all. He destroyed uh, Barbosa. He knocked him down twice. And the referee uh, had mercy on Barbosa and waved it off. He also attempted a Dars choke. Uh, if he was a little higher level in B BJJ, he would have finished that. But uh, he's not. The place where he's best is on the feet, and that's what he showed here. He dismantled Barbosa, which is not easy to do. Barbosa tends to lose to uh, to crazy power punchers or grapplers. Ichikaze is not that guy. He's just technically better than Barbosa, and uh, he's only getting better in MMA. So that's that's about it for what I think about uh, Giga Chikaze. I think he's going to be a future title challenger. And uh, this is the fight where we're really thinking he's a top five talent now. Yeah, you mentioned there the word, you know, dismantled. That, that's really, that's the perfect way to describe this. You know, Giga Chikaze dismantled Edson Barboza, which I thought, I'd, you know, I'd never say. As you mentioned there, when, Giga, uh, when Edson Barboza loses, he loses, you know, his top heavy guys, you know, either it's wrestling or it's, you know, one shot KO and, and that's it. But, you know, uh, Giga Shikarte just put on a technical performance against Edson Barboza. It was beautiful to watch. And I feel like this was really, you know, the, the, the coming out party for uh, Giga Shikarte. Yes, he had a little bit of hype around him before this fight. But I feel like, you know, this is his first big challenge. And uh, he, he passed with flying colours. You know, Edson Barboza, uh, Edson Barboza is no joke. He dropped down from 105 to 145. I still don't know how he makes 145. It's ridiculous. But, you know... Edson Barboza on his day could be a top five at 145, but unfortunately he had to fight Giga Chikaze and uh, is now ranked eighth in the division. And uh, he had a little bit to say about that, but I thought it was the correct decision because, you know, Barboza was only ranked number nine. Yeah, of course. Uh, Barboza is a bigger name than a lot of the guys in the top five anyway. Barboza is a bona fide UFC legend. I think there is a. There's, He's in the area where you could probably put him in the Hall of Fame. He's had uh, nine fight of the nights. That's tied with uh, Nate Diaz and Donald Cerrone. So this guy always comes to fight and to entertain. And he just, he did not look too great against Giga Chikaze. That's how good Giga is. Uh, and it was in Barbosa's area of expertise where he tends to give guys trouble. That was not the case. Giga Chikaze looked wonderful. And I can't wait for his next fight. And I don't think it'll be a title shot. I think it's going to be a top five guy like Calvin Cater. Very much looking forward to that. You mentioned there a word, wonderful. And I, this was a perfect way to describe this performance. You know, Brian Battle looked wonderful on the weekend. And now he's the ultimate fire. Incredible performance there. Rare naked choke in the second round. He's the new ultimate fire. How did he look? 
You look great. Uh, Gilbert Urbina, he came in on short notice, and uh, a lot of guys were counting him out, but he clearly won the first round. He came very aggressive. He came to fight, man, and he, he tagged the Brian Battle. He got his back. He threatened submissions over and over again. He's very aggressive, but uh, as many short-notice opponents do in the second round, they slowed down, and Brian Battle capitalized on that. And uh, he was able to get a, a submission against a guy who fancies himself a grappler. I think Brian Battle is much more comfortable on the feet. But as we learned on the Ultimate Fighter, he can solve a, a grappler as well. And so Brian Battle definitely has that double threat, and he showed it once again. One hundred percent. It was, you know, it was a great fight. Uh, but that was the the tough. That was the middle, the, the middleweight one. But no, that was the bantam weight. The middleweight, yeah, that was the middleweight. I got that correct. But moving on to the bantam weight one, I I think we've got a new star on our hands. You know, Ricky, yeah. it, 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 he's going to be a star in the UFC. Yeah, how could he not be? Uh, this guy says whatever is on his mind. He's very confident in himself, and uh, he's a little mix of Tony and uh, Diego Sanchez. This guy uh, comes to fight. He's very scrappy. He's not afraid to take a punch. And uh, Brady Heastand also came to fight as well. Brady is the youngest guy from the season. He's only 23, but he's out here beating 30-plus-year-old vets like Josh Reddinghouse like it was nothing. Uh, of course, Brady Heastand is underdeveloped. Uh, this is a guy who uh, who may not be UFC-ready quite yet, but I, I, I feel that you can definitely see the potential in him if he just uh, cleans up his, his uh defensive abilities on the feet. I think uh, he gives a lot of guys real problems. But uh, Ricky Tercios, of course, he, he was in that position that uh, Brady is right now when he fought in the Contender Series. He's on the first episode of Dana White's Contender Series, and he got outpointed on his way to a decision. He's not ready yet, but now he is. He can he can completely uh, he overwhelm guys on the ground. This guy got his black belt after the fight for a good reason. This guy was uh, looking amazing on the ground and on the feet, he was tagging uh, Brady Houston bad. And I think Ricky Tercios has the has the style to become very popular in the UFC. Hundred percent, hundred percent. If not, he's going to become very popular very soon. Uh, after this fight, his his Instagram shot up to like I think it was fifty k's on now, which you know, which is ridiculous. A great growth for him, a great platform, and now he's the you know the ultimate fighter at bantamweight uh, twenty nine. And oh my, it just gives me, you know, vibes of, of just Tony Ferguson. Uh, even Tony Ferguson, uh, you know, tweet this out um, saying, Congratulations, kid, uh, on winning the Ultimate Fire. He just gives me vibes of just, I, I come to fight uh, and I, I just want to put on a show. For, he feel like he just wants to put on a show for, for the fans. And that's what the type of fighters that the fans love. Yeah. Uh, Ricky Tercios, uh, he really. Gave he stand uh, a learning lesson here. He looked uh, he looked like uh, it looked like Brady he stand was uh, was not quite ready for this. And I think if they do a rematch in the future, it would be even closer. This was a split decision. Uh, I I don't know how they scored that. It was it was a very close fight, but it was clear that Tercios was the guy that doing uh, more damage. And as I said, if he stand uh, clears up his uh, his clear uh, deficiencies in uh, striking defense. He could go way, way into the rankings. A guy that I think went way up into the rankings is Daniel Rodriguez when he beat the number formerly number 13 ranked at lightweight, Kevin Lee. Uh, Kevin Lee went back up to welterweight, and he did not perform that well. He was, of course, coming off of the two ACL surgeries, and Daniel Rodriguez was looking better than ever. This is this is another guy with an amazing style, super high output, and he tagged Kevin Lee bad. He had him doing the chicken dance in the second. What do you think of uh, Danny Rodriguez' performance here? Because he looks sharper than ever. Yeah, he's sharp, he's patient, and he picks his shots with uh, you know efficiency. Uh, when he strikes, you know he strikes with meaning. He doesn't strike for the fun of it. He, he picks his shots perfectly, and this is what he did in this fight. He picked his shots, and Kevin Lee. Whether he likes it or not, he's 155 pounds, but 170, that weight class doesn't suit him. If there was a weight class in between 170 and 55, it's, that's a perfect weight class for Kevin Lee. But 170, it, it's, it's not, it's not, that's not for him. It's 155, whether he likes it or not. He needs to cut that weight. It, 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 he said he could. he's top five at weight or something like that before this fight. 
I'm sorry, buddy. That's you're on the wrong, your wrong mindset. Uh, you've just lost Daniel Rodriguez, and Daniel Rodriguez is a phenomenal fighter, but he wasn't even ranked. And uh, I don't know whether he is now, but he should be. But what a phenomenal fight this was for Daniel Rodriguez. Put an absolute clinic. Uh, the first round, if 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 Kevin Lee could keep up the pace and his ability that he does in the first round, he'd probably be champion for the world. But he just doesn't have that cardio. Yeah, 100%. Um, and he does have a win over number six, Michael Chiesa. He submitted him a couple years ago. But here's the deal. Uh, Michael Chiesa is huge at welterweight. And that would be a situation where Kevin Lee is unable to replicate what he did at 155 if they were to fight. And uh, Chiesa has superior cardio. Kevin Lee, he does not have good cardio. And when he can't get those takedowns, he tires and on the feet, he's he's really not the best man. Uh, a really uh, like a guy who can box pretty well, like Danny Rodriguez, gives him serious pause on the feet. Uh, if you've seen those Ally Quinta fights where he lost two unanimous decisions, it's very clear that uh, he's that against uh, really good boxers, he he really struggles uh, when he can't get those takedowns. And did he did get a takedown in the first, but. When he could not get them in the second, it was it was spelled uh, the end for him. Yeah, a good fight, a good showcase for Daniel Rodriguez. And since this fight, uh, Mike Perry called out Kevin Lee, and uh, it's, they both accepted that fight. So it seems like they might be, you know, fighting after this one. It's surprising to see Lee returns if he does fight Kevin, uh, Mike Perry. See him return so quickly. Uh, but I don't know about that one. But a fight that I'd love to see next for Daniel Rodriguez, I think, would make sense. Uh, it, Jeff Neal, that would be a phenomenal fight, 110 pounds. Wow. wow, that's that that right there could could be uh, definitely fireworks. And that's actually the matchup I paid for him as well. He now got ranked at number 15, and uh, Jeff Neal, of course, coming off a loss to Neil Magny, I think uh, that one could make a lot of sense. And uh, I, I believe that there would probably be a finish in that fight. 100%. A phenomenal fight for Daniel Rodriguez. He moves uh, on in the in his career and looks to get the biggest fight of his is is his career next. Uh, whoever it may be, whether it is Jeff Neal, I know it's going to be a phenomenal fight. And, you know, when Daniel Rodriguez fights, he's bringing the action. Someone else who brought the action, Andre Petrowski and Michael Gilmore. A phenomenal fight. What are your thoughts? Yeah, Petrowski, I thought was going to have his way with Gilmore on the ground here. But it was not that simple. In the first round, he did get a takedown and was pursuing the finish. But uh, Gilmore toughed it out and made it to the second round. And I was thinking in the second round, Petrowski probably gets the finish that he predicted. And no, in the second round, uh, Gilmore clearly won the round. He was beating up uh, Petrowski's legs with those leg kicks. And uh, I was very impressed with Gilmore. I completely wrote him off. I thought he was a UFC-level talent. Um, but he made the fight competitive in the second. But once the third came around, Petrovsky got that slam. And he, he controlled the arm and just pounded him until the referee said he's seen enough. So uh, Petrovsky here, I, I thought he would tire in the third. But no, he actually got a finish. So uh, I, I thought I learned a lot about these two guys in this fight. And I'm very excited to see both these guys fight in the UFC again. Yeah, as you mentioned there, hopefully they do fight in the UFC again. Uh, one guy I would like to maybe 100% like to see him fight in the UFC in the future is Brady uh, Heisan. Uh, I'd like to go, like to see him go on a UFC development deal, uh, go outside the UFC, get a few fights under his belt, then come back. Uh, that I think that would uh, make a lot of sense. I think he's got a lot, a lot of potential uh, at middleweight. You know, he he's got the likes of you know Michael Chiesa. I think backing him, so you know he's got he's got a phenomenal future in in, in his hands. But uh, yeah, a few fights away from the UFC, then come back, uh, make his debut. Uh, I think he'll be a new fighter. Yeah, I would I would love to see him uh, fight in LFA. I think he could be champion there for sure. And, yeah, 100%. Uh, yeah. It may be even Cage Warriors because Cage Warriors made their American debut uh, a, a, maybe a month ago. So maybe that, um, and I'm pretty sure they're doing more shows. So uh, that that could uh, that could work. I wouldn't mind that either. And uh, moving on, I would not mind to see Gerald Mearshart fight another rising prospect because he seems to shut a lot of them down. Uh, Mahmoud Muradov was the biggest favorite on the card. He was a six to one favorite. 
And I saw a lot of but, uh, guys in the betting community betting on Murdoch. I was like, what are you doing? This line is out of control. People are completely throwing away the fact that Gerald Mearshart has the most submissions in middleweight history. If anybody's going to submit you at 185, it's going to be GM3. And that's what GM3 did here. The first round was going terrible for GM3. My goodness, Magman Murdoch was on his way to getting a finish, if not a 10-8 round. And Mearshart uh, saw that Murdoch was tiring. Of course, there was a, uh, a foul by Mearshart. He, and that may have saved him from getting finished. He got a little time to recover. And Murdov uh, gassed, and he got clipped with a couple good punches from Mearshart. And uh, in the second round, it was clear that Murdov did not have much uh, left to throw, and uh, Mearshart got the back, and he finished it with a good old rear naked choke. And very impressive for Mearshart. I think this probably the biggest upset of the year, uh, betting-wise. This was very surprising to see Mearshart survive that. Especially after getting slept in 17 seconds by uh, Hamza Chamayev. He proved that he still has a chin. And uh, he can dish it right back after he survives. You mentioned chin. And that's a pretty a pretty good segue into the next one. Yeah, on this show, I told you guys, Abdul Razak Hassan was a favorite in his last couple of fights. And now he's, he's a huge underdog. I was like, might as well take him by first round KO because that's what the guy does. And he once again got another KO. And this was in just 17 seconds with one strike. A um, huge head kick that sent uh, Deshiriko to the shadow realm for a couple seconds. And uh, very impressive. Once again, Adobe Zaka Hassan is a lethal striker in the first round. And uh, Deshiriko just, he had nothing, he had nothing for him for those 17 seconds. And uh, who knows what would happen if this one got out of the first round, but it really doesn't matter because Abdul Rizaka Hassan will will kill you if, if he has the opportunity to, man. This guy's a murderer. And uh, Deshiriko, uh, he's, I believe he's won one of his last four, and that's not a good look. But, uh, yeah, very impressive stuff from Abdul Rizaka Hassan, one of the best KOs of the year. Yeah, you mentioned them on the previous show uh, last week that he's the middleweight in Garnu, and uh, yeah, we, we knew that already. And uh, he just he, he basically backed up your statement. Uh, but there is a little curse going about here. Uh, you're probably aware of it. Uh, Buckley yeah. uh, not uh, head kicked Impa Kasagne, and then Buckley got head kicked by Dekiriko, and now Dekiriko got head kicked by Razak Al Hassan. So does that mean Razak Al Hassan now loses his next fight by head kick? That's a real possibility. Uh, here's what I said when uh, Deshiriko slept uh, Walking Buckley earlier this year. I said, you live by the sword, you die by the sword. You know, what, what you use, uh, you know, can be used against you as well. So that's just how crazy the MMA game is. And uh, if that happens, that would be absolutely wild. Uh, I told Rosaka Hassan, I, I, I would like to fight, watch him fight almost anybody. Let, let's be honest. This guy can sleep anybody in this division on any given night. So any Razaka Hassan fight uh, could be potentially, uh, you know, good for him. So uh, that's why I like Razaka Hassan so much. He's so dangerous and almost anybody can get slept in that first round. If I'm correct, you know, Al Hassan slept Nico Price. Yes, he did. Yeah, Nico Price is a guy that's notoriously super durable and he did not survive a single round with uh, Adele Razaka Hassan. That guy is is the real deal, and uh, mm-hmm. let's move on to two guys that are not the real deal. Uh, I'm usually not this negative, but if you watch this fight, you cannot walk away and say these guys are UC caliber. This was visually unpleasant in every way. In the third round, uh, well determined, he inflicted two fouls onto Sam Malvi. So Sam Malvi, I, I don't know uh, how well his math is. But he was thinking, oh, I got this in the bag. I, I got fouled twice. I got this in the bag. So he was very annoyed when the judge's decision got uh, read out. And he, he thinks he's probably out of the UFC. But if you listen to Dana White's post-fight press conference, he did he did not say his usual. He, he did not say, oh, I think we're done with this guy. I think uh, this guy's had too many losses. 
what he simply said about Sam Alvey is he fight, fights his heart out every single time. And uh, Sam Alvey was kind of having trouble pulling the trigger sometimes during the fight. I think if he really let loose more, he could have finished Terman like I predicted him to. But Terman uh, made it a tough fight for Alvey. Uh, Terman, if if Terman was a higher-level guy, he would dismantle Alvey, but he's just not. And uh, this fight was very sloppy on both sides. Yep, 100% agree with you. You took the words out of my mouth. But uh, sloppy on both sides. You know, a, a guy that I've interviewed, Sam Alvey, one of the you know the nicest guys I've ever talked to, he always has a smile on his face, uh, always a gentleman. But after that, after he, you know, the announce, uh, he, he wasn't a gentleman. Some some slurs came out of his mouth. He wasn't happy with the judges. Uh, but there's one thing that you know with Sam Alvey. He's always going to be in a close fight. He's always going to be in a tough fight. And he's always going to put his heart and soul into the fight. This guy will leave everything into that octagon. And that's what Dana White likes about him, what he loves about him. So that, that's why he's staying on the UFC roster. Do, do I agree with it? I'm not too sure. I'm not too sure. I did see a tweet on Twitter. Um, I can't remember who it, who it was by, but he said there should be a Dana White Eliminator series where people on their last contract or last fight on their UFC contracts fight it out to have to keep their job in the UFC. And I thought, wow, you know, take 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 my money now. That's that's a phenomenal idea. I, I thought, to be honest, I thought this was a Dana White Eliminator uh, fight uh, when I saw it on paper. To be honest, but it appears that Alvi is going to stick around. Uh, I don't know how long Terman will last with his uh, very suspect chin, but. Uh, Moving on to uh, our first time finish. didn't stay around. Yeah. Darren Stewart did not stay around to the second round. Dustin Jacoby was a terrible matchup for Darren Stewart. I told you guys, uh, my my most confident picks were Mana Martinez and Andre Pachowski. Both guys won. But I, I said, if you're not going to uh, bet those guys, bet Jacoby. Jacoby is a true light heavyweight, former glory kickboxer. And he was fighting a guy in Darren Stewart who was maybe even a, a little small for middleweight at times. So uh, Jacoby just big-brothered him. He pieced him up on the feet, and he, he made it look easy. And Darren Stewart just could not absorb the kind of power from a legit light heavyweight. Yeah, as we mentioned, Darren Stewart, since that fight, is no longer inside the UFC. Uh, they have parted ways. You know, he did get released, which is, you know, a shame. You know, he, this guy almost beat Kevin Holland last year. You know, he, he, he has these up and downs inside the inside the cage. Uh, he didn't want to stay at middleweight because he had a bad cut. I believe that might have been against Kevin Holland. And then he tried to go up to 205. Uh, he went back and forth. Or maybe it was against Eric Anders, the first fight. Yeah. That's where he had first. a bad cut. Yeah, yeah. And then the second one, you know, we, saw, we know what happened there. It was a close fight, but man... Dustin Jacoby gave him a reason to go back down to 185 pounds. Yeah, uh, maybe he does that outside of the UFC. That's not in the UFC anymore. Pretty crazy. They're keeping Sam Alvey and Terman around, but not uh, Darren Stewart. But not, nonetheless, uh, Jacoby, he probably would have gotten a bonus uh, had it not been a stay in TKO. Mm -hmm. yeah, just quickly, uh, uh, quickly before we move on, I'll quickly go back to the, the reference that Danny White made against. Uh, Sam Alvey, where he said he, he's going to keep his idea UFC because he fights his heart out every time. But what about Kai Kilmaka? You know, he fights his heart out every single time and he got released from the UFC, so, man. Yeah, very surprising. Uh, I, I don't get it at all. Um, yeah, that, that was that was a little weird. Uh, Jacoby, Jacoby's the real deal, man. I, I keep on telling you, he's ready for top 15, and I believe Nikita Krylov's the right guy for him next. Ooh, that's a good fight. That's a good fight. I like that. I mean, if, if he gets it, it was a quick win for Dustin Jacoby. Maybe we see, I mean, Paul Craig was meant to fight this weekend, so it's probably a little bit too quick for him. Maybe, you know, they get a, a Paul Craig in a few weeks or maybe a, a month from now, you know, Dustin Jacoby versus Paul Craig. That would that, that would be a good fight. I'm interested in that. Yeah, I'm down for that one too. Uh, you know what I'm not down for? I'm not down for uh, Demopolis to stay at uh, 125. She's clearly a strawweight. <laughs> She looked very undersized in this fight. I told you guys that Aldridge deserved to be a three-to-one favorite in this fight because she likes to take it to the ground. Uh, she won her fight with Casey Kenny, uh, not Casey, Courtney Casey, because she got uh, those takedowns when it mattered. And, uh, yeah, if she was able to outmuscle Courtney Casey, she was definitely going to do it to Demopolis, who, uh, who on the feet also is not very good defensively. So Aldridge shined in this fight. She really was in control of every second of the fight. It was not competitive. And uh, 
Aldrich uh, does not have much uh, finishing upside. That's why she didn't finish this fight, but uh, complete domination, wasn't it? Yeah, complete domination. JJ, you know, Aldrich you know, complete dominated the whole fight. And as you mentioned, uh, Demo, oh, her name is so difficult Demopolis. to announce. Demopolis. De- Demonopolis shouldn't be 125 pounds. Her straw weight is her, is her weight. So this will probably give her a, a, a kick in the back. Like she needs to cut cut down to 115 now. Uh, but someone who looked, you know, it looked great. We went back and forth on this one. You went for Jamal Wemmers in this one. I went for Pat. Yeah, yeah. Uh, man, originally I went with uh, Sabatini, but I looked at uh, Emmers' uh, his stats and he was bigger clearly in there. And he rocked Sabatini back. I mm-hmm. thought it was over for Sabatini. But Sabatini was able to get to the ground. And, man, we saw clear holes. In Emmer's fight IQ, going for a toe hold when you got a black belt with his arm on your leg tugging away, and yeah, that this was a this was this was a really weird submission, but a very impressive by Sabatini. Uh, once again, showing that he's a really elite grappler, and I think he gives uh, a lot of problems to guys, uh, almost anybody in this division on the ground. Elite grappler, but definitely not an elite striker, unfortunately. Uh, he landed one strike in this fight, but he got the win. Uh, he got, as you mentioned, he got knocked down by Jamal Emmers. Jamal is evidently cl- better on the feet. Uh, got knocked down and he stayed in his guard for a little bit too long. And uh, Pat Sabatini grabbed that hill hook. And man, uh, when you're in a hill hook, it's like a 50-50 position. It's for, whoever grabs that, I think uh, Emmers went for the toe hold and uh, Pat Sabatini went for the, for, for the hill hook. And man... As soon as that hill hook, you know, went in, you heard it. Joe Jamel Emmers just screamed in pain, and that was it, man. It was a phenomenal, phenomenal uh, submission. But Joe Emmers should have got up. He should have got up. You know, you, you don't play games like that with a, a, a with a guy like Passerini. How good he is on the ground, you, you don't play games like that, and he, sh- he should have got up immediately. Yeah, one hundred percent. Well, let's let's just talk about a fight. You thought your most confident pick was Martinez, but. Yeah, I bet, yeah, I bet I, you was worried when the judges uh, got called out. Yeah, I thought this was a close fight. It was a split decision, and it deserved to be. Mano Martinez historically gets quick KOs, and Canetti has been getting slept as of late. He's 40-plus, and I was thinking this, this is a really good spot for Martinez to get a, a quick finish, um, but it did not work out like that. Mano Martinez... Uh, he, you know, he's got some stuff to work on. Also, his coach, uh, Salsa Leeds, he passed away a couple of weeks ago. Uh, that definitely may have affected his preparation coming into this. But nonetheless, uh, he, he looked pretty decent. Uh, whenever he let his hands go, Kennedy was just turtling up. And I was thinking maybe Martinez could have finished them. Uh, yeah, poor defensive abilities by Kennedy. And he's at that age where he's probably not going to improve too much anyway. Uh might get cut after this one. Who knows? But uh, Martinez, you know, on the right night, he can really sleep a lot of guys uh, with the power he carries. But he could, he just could not land the perfect shot on Canetti to put him away. But uh, nonetheless, competitive stuff. And uh, Mano Martinez, he, he, he's got some improvements to make. But, uh, yeah, I was pretty impressed by it. Uh, I thought maybe he would gas because usually he, he likes to get the quick finishes. He did not. So at least... He, he has that three-round UFC experience. Uh, yes, yes, this was a competitive fight for Martinez, but I think this is the fight that will give him, the, you know, the best experience moving forward. You know, this is a tough fight for him, and uh, he's going to learn from uh, fr- from what happened on the weekend, and he will come back stronger in his next fight. He, he's going to he's going to land something big, and he's going to get that KO. Hundred percent. This guy's phenomenal. It was a fantastic fight. Uh, a little bit too competitive, probably in his eyes. And then, as I mentioned, in his next fight, I think he's going to go out there and get the finish. But yeah, very happy to see him get the win. Uh, a Dana White looking for a fight product, and I'm uh, very excited to see him, uh, you know, fight again. Yeah, and let's not forget to mention this guy has already beaten the Ultimate Fighter winner, Ricky Tercios. He slapped him in the first round. That's how good this guy is. So maybe Ricky, we... Ricky has a chin. Yeah, maybe we see a rematch in the UFC. I would love to see it. So a, a lot of cool stuff coming up in the UFC. Uh, but uh, first, we're going to talk about what happened last Sunday between the problem child, Jake Paul, and Tyron Woodley. This was uh, this was kind of what I expected in the form that I knew Tyron Woodley 
or to land that right hand and tag Jake Paul. But the problem is he did not capitalize on it. And he continued to be a low output thinking he was winning the fight. That was the that was the problem here. Tyron Woodley was a better fighter, but he was just super low output. That's what lost him the fight. It was a split decision. Did deserve to be a split decision. Not at all. Uh, he did not score a 10-8. Uh, he was, uh, Jake Paul was saved by a tenant round with the ropes. And, uh, at best, at best, Tyron Woodley won three rounds. I only gave him two. So that lets you know, uh, that Jake Paul, he, he simply had higher output. That's all he really needed here. Uh, I didn't know if he would survive the right hand, but, uh, the chin is, is not abysmal. It's not, you know, it's not, uh, it's not terrible. So that was enough to win in the fight. And we learned that, uh, He's got a fighting spirit in him because after he was tired, he was huffing and puffing. He was hurt. He, he fought on and uh, props him for that, beating a, a five-time UFC champion, but, of course, way out of his prime now. And uh, who knows what's next for him. But, uh, yeah, I, I kind of already knew this about uh, Jake Paul. He was a lower-level guy. And uh, if if uh, Tyron Woodley just pulled the trigger a little bit more, he would have won, but that's not the case. It's crazy to think this quite possibly could have been Woodley's biggest fight in his career. You know, he, he's fighting a YouTuber. He's fighting, you know, a YouTube boxing star and Jake Paul. And he got the paid the most amount of money he's ever been paid in his career. I think he got like, I think he got, was it 1.8 million for almost for this fight, which is there we two, go, million two million plus pay-per-view plus pay-per-view. He's getting, he's getting paid well. And I'm, I'm happy he is. Uh, and he was mentioned, he mentioned after the fight, you know, he's never been, in this sort of fight with his magnitude, you know, this press, um, you know, the fans, it was a packed out sold arena. And, you know, Woodley was saying, you know, he's never been in this sort of situation before, which is just crazy. This guy's a five-time UFC champion, held that belt, knocked out some of the best in the world. And uh, he was saying he's never been here before. And it was just crazy. Uh, but as you mentioned, he he, he went back to his old ways. Uh, in, uh, in that Luke fight, he threw his hands, but it was reckless. You know, he, 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 he looked like he was just trying to prove a point that, yes, I, I can still knock people out, but Luke is the wrong person you do that with. You know, he's got heart, he's a dog, and uh, he was reckless in that fight. Uh, but in this fight, he was, you know, went back to his old way, cool, calm, calculated. calculated. It, you know, I, I don't think Tyron Woodley will ever, ever get nervous for a fight. He has the same expression for the, for the whole fight, for the whole, like, whole round, for every minute of the round. It's just the same expression. Uh, but what he did needed is a little bit of aggression. I think he needed to, you know, after, you know, look look at this photo here. Jake Paul is leaning back. He, if the ropes is not there, he's flat on his back. And that's it. The, the rest count to 10. But, yeah, as the ropes are there, unfortunately. And uh, I'd love to have seen Jake Paul go flat on his back. That would really have made my weekend uh, even better. Uh, so, you know, if they do rematch, Jake Paul knows, and no, Tyron Woody knows what he's got to do. He's just got to throw more. He's just got to let his hands go, and but still be patient, still be calculated, but just let the hands go a little bit more. Yeah, Tyron had the MMA community on his back, and he didn't upset us. He just disappointed us, man. That's all I'll say. That's that's how we're gonna close this one. Yeah, and uh, just quickly before we move on, Jake Paul uh, and Tyron Woody after the fight, you know, to get that tattoo, to get a rematch. And uh, we were mentioning before the fight, Jake Paul's a little bit of a prankster. It really would surprise me if Tyron Woodley got that tattoo and Jake Paul said, no, I'm not going to fight you. Yeah, there needs to be legitimate paperwork before Tyron uh, gets the ink on his uh, arm or wherever. But uh, yeah, that's that's probably not going to happen. I feel like Jake Paul kind of proved his point that he could beat a guy like Tyron Woodley. He's probably going to move on to Tommy Fury because his backstage is a little bit of little bit of drama, and uh, of course, in the UK, I think that could get some serious numbers. Uh, and this would probably, it would probably be in uh, Jake, Jake Paul's backyard again. He was really happy about competing in his hometown. Uh, yeah, Jake Paul, I'm really not too excited about seeing fight him anymore, because I kind of I kind of already know what I need to know when it comes to Jake Paul, and I already know what to expect. I don't, I don't think he's, he's ever going to reach a mid-level boxer level. Mm-hmm. 100%, I agree with you. And uh, regarding, you know, the Jake Paul, Tommy Fury fight, it's a close fight because both guys, you know, they're not elite level. And I, 
honestly, I really could see Jake Paul getting the better of Tommy Fury in that fight. Yeah, one hundred percent. That that one would probably be one I would tune into. But uh, watching Jake Paul fight former fighters really not entertaining. I already saw the guy get punched in the face hard. I I kind of got my uh, satisfaction that I needed from that. So uh, that's about it. Uh, we're gonna move on to the fights this weekend. This Saturday, we have a spectacular lineup of uh, fighters from the UK. It was going to be in the O2 Arena. Unfortunately, that did not come to fruition. Now they're in Vegas, and they're going to put on a show, in my opinion. And I'm going to kick things off with my pick for Derek Bronson against Darren Till. My official pick is Darren Till by third-round TKO. I believe Darren Till is going to get a really good finish in this fight against the historically chinny. Derek Brunson. Derek Brunson has been knocked out five times in his career, but in his last couple of fights, he's had the right matchups where these guys aren't putting him to sleep, but they are tagging him at times. Let's be honest, Darren Till is way, it's just a higher level talent than the recent uh, young guys that Brunson has been facing. Darren Till has an 83% takedown defense. That cannot be said for Kevin Holland, who we learned that the guy basically had no defensive wrestling. And uh, before that, he fought Edmund Shabazian. Shabazian's a young kid with a, who's kind of a one-round fighter. And uh, that did not go well for him. Also, uh, who did he fight besides that? Ian Heinish. Oh. Yeah. Ian Heinish, that win has kind of aged like milk. Ian Heinish has proved to, to you know, just let down his supporters over and over again. Uh, and Darren Till is just a way cleaner striker. He has better cardio um, and better takedown defense. And that's kind of what you need uh, to beat Derek Brunson. Besides hitting hard, I think that this is a really good matchup for Darren. He's a favorite for a reason. Uh, a lot of people think Derek Brunson is worth a stab at the underdog price. I don't think so, man. You Betting on this guy is, is very, uh, very nerve-wracking because this guy can get clipped any time and put away. And Darren Till was able to click, clip the former champ, Robert Whitaker. That fight was very competitive. And before that fight, I honestly did not believe that Darren Till was like an upper-tier fighter. I thought maybe, maybe he's on his way there. No, that fight was so competitive. That was a true chess match, uh, as Darren Till called it, a stretch, a stress match. Very stressful stuff. Both guys were trying to figure out what the other was going to do. And he was very high level. And I believe Darren Till is high level enough to land the proper shot on Derek Brunson. I believe in the third round, he probably catches him with, with a nasty elbow and uh, gets the ground pound and gets the win. And uh, he calls out Jared Kenmere or uh, Adesanya. Either way, Darren Till is going to get a nice win. And he's going to get uh, his second win at middleweight. Because let's not forget, he only has one win at middleweight over Kelvin Gasolin. Yeah, the, the thing is about Darren Till, it, you know, he doesn't rush his work. We, we saw that against Robert Whittaker. You know, he, he's a patient striker, a very, very patient striker. He will feign 50 times in a row, and he might not even throw a strike. You, you, you don't know with Darren Till. He, he, he's up there with one of the best strikers we've ever seen inside, you know, ever seen inside the UFC. You know, we, we're, we're talking the likes of, you know, Anderson Silva, you know, Israel Asanya. You know, Darren Till is maybe not up there with them, but just a little bit below them. You know, he's a phenomenal striker. We, you know, that striking chess match we saw with him versus Woodley. No, not him versus, um, not Woodley. He got no, almost got no targets, Woodley. But him versus Wonderboy in London, uh, in Liverpool. Man, that was such a phenomenal fight. Yeah, a great chess piece match. Um, controversial one on, on Twitter and Instagram, but, you know, it is a great fight nonetheless, and uh, but this one's going to be a phenomenal fight and a perfect matchup for Darren Till, as you mentioned. I feel like he's going to clip him inside maybe two rounds, and that'll be the end of the fight. Yeah, uh, Derek Brunson, uh, he's he's got. I wouldn't say he's gotten lucky because he's clearly made the proper improvements to win his last couple of fights, but I, I feel like he he's been lucky enough not to face a guy as talented and as clean of a striker as Darren Till. So I, I, I believe this is going to be the time where we're going to really see Derek Brunson for who he is, uh, a guy who's he's just a gatekeeper, man. He's going to beat the low-level guys, but he's not going to beat the Darren Tails of the world. Yeah, 100%. Uh, you, you mentioned gatekeeper, someone who's definitely opposite 
of a gay keeper. That name is Tom Aspinall. And he's fighting Spivyak, a short notice replacement. And nonetheless, I still expect him to get this one done. But Spivak is a dangerous, dangerous opponent, a grappler, uh, which I, I believe Tom Aspinall hasn't really faced inside the EOC as, as, of, as of yet. You know, Spivak, you know, he has a really hot, tight squeeze. He could, you know, his, his grappling is very, very good. But if you look at that takedown defense from Tomas, 100%, that's going to get tested in this fight. And we're going to really know the truth about Tomas. Is he a legitimate prospect? I do believe so. I think he's a future champion inside the UFC. And we're going to see him, you know, get another win inside the Otscon this weekend against Babyak. I think he gets the KO in round number three. Yeah, that's that's my pick as well. Round two or three for Aspinall. My reasoning for that is Spivak is not super durable, and his gas tank is terrible. And if you thought his gas tank was bad against Olenek with a full camp, he's taking this one on short notice. He had to fly over to the States. It's not going to be good. It's going to be worse than usual. And Aspinall's going to tee off on him and get the, the TKO stoppage. Uh, Aspinall fought Olenek in his last fight. And I was so confident that Spivak would win the fight. I was thinking there's no chance Olenek wins unless he gets a lucky Ezekiel. Um, but it was a competitive fight. It, Olenek clearly won the third round, too. And on the feet, that should not be happening when you have a guy who's like 44 beating you on the feet because you're that terrible of a striker with a bad gas tank. I, I'm not impressed with Spivak striking at all. It's a bit... It's not clean at all. It's super sloppy. He's only comfortable on the ground. And uh, Tom Aspinall is so comfortable on the feet. He sparred with Tom uh, Tyson Fury in the past. I think he definitely pieces up a spitback, and he makes it look easy. I think he's going to get stuck on his back one time, and that's where we're going to see the, the black belt come out in Aspinall. Maybe he threatens a submission. If Spivak is super tired, he could get it. But uh, I, I think Aspinall gets that. TKO in, in the second or third. Let us be said, Aspinall can grapple too. You know, we saw that in, in, in a fight against Andre Oloski. Uh, went for the takedown, got, you know, Andre Oloski, you know, made a mistake, gave up his back. He, he snapped that rare naked choke. But is he on the on the level of, you know, Spivak grappling? Nah, he's a different kind of beast on the ground and the wrestling. Uh, but, you know, we're going to really learn a lot in, in this fight with Tom Aspinall. And I, I believe the hype train will get even bigger in, in this fight. And I see him Improving as you mentioned, he sparred with Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury, um, what, what's the word? I'm convinced Tom Aspinall to you know go on to boxing, uh, and have a have a career on there. And uh, Tom Aspinall had a boxing fight, got a KO in the first round, but then later returned to MMA. He said, you know, his heart's at MMA, so you know, he, as we mentioned, his, his striking is absolutely beautiful. And uh, another showcase for Tom Aspinall in this fight is going to be phenomenal. Uh, his takedown defense will be tested. And uh, we're gonna we learn a lot against uh, about Tom Aspinall, uh, even more so in this fight. Yeah, that that's gonna be a, a bonus winning performance for Aspinall, in my opinion. Um, and moving on to the next fight, we're talking about Alex Morono versus David Zawada. This is a this is a fun fight here. Morono is coming out for first round uh, TKO of uh, Donald Cowboy Cerrone. Cowboy he, he appears to be done. So I wasn't that impressed with that win. But besides that, uh, Morono's a, he's a jack-of-all-trades. He has equal wins by decision, knockout, and submission. So wherever the fight goes, he can win the fight. And Zavada, on the other hand, how can you not like uh, this guy and be impressed with him after his fight with Abubakar and Armago Madoff, where he submitted uh, Armago Madoff, which is hard to do. I'm sure those... I'm sure uh, Abubakar uh, trained properly for that. I'm sure he was grappling all the time. And Zavada was able to snatch up the submission there. Very impressive. Uh, but he's, he's had some tough fights in the UFC. He he was fed to the leech, for goodness sake. He got destroyed with a body kick. Um, I don't think Morono's as lethal of a strike as the leech. Uh, but, man, he's going to give uh, Zavada a lot of problems on the feet in particular. On the ground, it's going to be a little competitive. I think Morono's submission defense will hold up here. And I think he outpoints uh, Zavada on the feet and gets a unanimous decision. 
Yeah, this this is a very close fight, as you were mentioning. Uh, this one can really go either way. Uh, and I'm also with you on this one. I'm also favoring Moreno, and I think this is going to be a really close one on the feet. Uh, and I'm I'm not too sure. Uh, this one's a bit of a risky one, but yeah, I'm going to go with Moreno in this one. And I think, as you mentioned there, I think he's going to outpoint him. Uh, this one, with that, I, I believe, will go to the scorecards. Um, if there was a finish, though, I would probably go in Moreno's favor. Yeah, Moreno. Morono uh, had Max Moreno. Griffin locked in almost the all. He also had Pettis' back in the first round. Morono has clearly beaten the better competition. And th that's uh, part of the reason why I'm siding with him. Yeah, 100%. It's a great fight, a good fight on the main card. Uh, but, you know, the next one, the next one's even better. Modest, yeah. Modestus Bacalcus, uh, he is from Lithuania. But when you hear him speak on the post fight interview this weekend, He's British, guys. He's British. He's English. And uh, it's a phenomenal fight. Uh, Khalil Roundtree returns after his poor performance against Marcin Pracnell, I believe. Yes, it was. Marcin Pracnell, I believe, was on a three or four fight losing streak where he got slept in pretty much all of them. He got slept by Sam Alley. We just uh, stained Sam Alley's name earlier, so that lets you know what we think of Marcin Pracnell. So that lets you know what we think of Khalil Rountree Jr. Khalil uh, was flirting with retirement for a long time. And uh, Modesto Blakowski's retirement's way out of his mind. This guy's on the rise. He's only improving. His last fight, I thought, was a robbery to Michal Oleg Zeshuk. Uh, I thought he had more volume. He did more damage. That was a close fight, but Modesto probably won that. And uh, before that, he fought uh, Jimmy Crude. He got knocked out there. That's why this line is so close. A lot of people think Roundtree can maybe uh, starch Bukowskis, but I don't think so. I think Bukowskis is quicker. I think Bukowskis can find the chain of Roundtree and put him away in the second round here. I think this is very much a firecracker of a fight. Both guys are going to be swinging, and I think Bukowskis lands the, the better shots and puts away Roundtree. Who, who who fought a lower level guy in Pracnio, and he got rocked bad. Like I thought, I thought that fight was over uh, for uh, Roundtree. Uh, he survived to the third round, but that was such a sloppy fight. Those guys had nothing left in the gas tank, and I think Puskowskis can definitely put him in Roundtree. Mm -hmm. I, I have been speaking to Modestus Puskowskis uh, personally uh, during this fight for fight week, and we've been talking about his preparation. Uh, how he's feeling for this fight. And I can say, personally, he's hyped up for this fight. He, I, this is the most hyped I've ever seen Modesto Bukalkas for a fight. Th this guy is absolutely buzzing. All you have to do is look at his Instagram stories. He, he, he's, uh, he's, he's just making some funny videos there every day. This guy's got a good personality. He's funny. Um, and he gets the win on Saturday. He gets the knockout win this Saturday. Uh, and I, I'm all for it. He's going to get the KO win. And uh, he's going to get on the mic. And uh, he's going to put on a, a beautiful speech. And uh, he's going to gain a lot of fans this weekend. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think uh, Roundtree might might once again flirt with retirement after he gets uh, starched by Modesto Bukowskis. And we're moving on to your guy, Paddy the Batty Pimlet. You were signing with this guy way before he was in the UFC because he was already UFC caliber, but he just wanted to build up that uh, that fan that is fans in uh in the uk and he he really did it man he was a cage warriors champ and he was putting on spectacular performance yeah double putting on spectacular performances flying triangles in his hometown lighting up the crowd and i think uh against venjamini i think he might struggle a little because venjamini on on the other hand he's such a gnarly grappler too this guy had uh, uh, uh what's his name uh Dosa uh, Silva, I believe Silva at welterweight. He moved us to no. No, it's it's slipping me right now. But uh, the guy was on a seven fight win streak, and I'll, he was... I'll get to you in about two seconds. Yeah, um... Elizio Santos. That's that's his name, Elizio Zaleski yeah. Santos. I completely butchered his name, but uh, Zaleski Santos was once on a seven fight win streak with almost all finishes. And one of them was Benjamini, who, who, you know, as you can see, he's a lightweight. He moved up, he moved up on short notice, and he got destroyed in that fight. But he made it competitive in the first. He had uh, his back 
So that lets you know how good he is. And he's got real fighting spirit. In his fight against Forrest Zian, he was down two rounds. He's clearly getting outpointed. And what what is he doing in the third round? Mark Matoni tells him, hey, you got to get a finish. And he rushes Forrest Zian and lands a huge nuke on him and nearly puts him out. And then he takes him down and threatens the submission. That was a, I believe that was a split majority decision for Forrest Zian because one judge scored it a 10-8 round for Benjamini, there's a real argument for that being a draw. So, um, Benjamini's going to give him a tough fight. Pimblet says he doesn't see this going in the second round. Do you see him getting a quick finish like he's saying he will? Um, I, I see it's going into the second round. Uh, just because it's his USC debut, I believe he's going to you know, not, not struggle with the occasion. You know, this guy, Paddy Pimblet, is a phenomenal fighter, and he's been in some of the biggest fighters ever here in the, in the UK for Cage Wars. He's he, he's he's a double champ. He was a simultaneous double champ, lightweight, lightweight and uh, featherweight. Um, he fought Dalby. Um, or oh, no, no, he did fight Dalby. Um, um, Soren back, Soren back. There we go. He saw he fought Soren back. Uh, he lost the title to Soren back, but he put on a a, a phenomenal performance against Soren back. A very very close fight. Uh, he beat Julian Rose as you mentioned. But where Paddy Pimlet really shines is his grappling, as you mentioned, the flying the flying triangles off the cage. Uh, if Adarumi tries to get Paddy Pimlet on the cage, it's not out of the shadow realm that Paddy Pimlet jumps up, flies for that flying armbar because that's that's his move, that's his special move, that's what he loves to do. I think he might have two of them uh, inside Cage Warriors. You know, he he really shines with, with that move, and I see a submission win for Paddy Pimlet, but in the second round. Yeah. But, uh... Yeah, it's so hard to pick this fight, to be honest, because I know how good Paddy Pimblet is, but Benjamini, on the other hand, cannot be underestimated. This guy's so tough. Uh, I don't I don't even think he's he's only been finished that welterweight. So that, that lets you know how tough he is. And, uh, man, this is hard. I think this one goes to decision. I think both guys are defensively sound. I believe that Benjamini is the, might have the better striking on the ground I'll probably get the edge to Pimlet. It's hard to pick. I think this is going to be a situation where we see a split decision. And I'm going to make this the told yourself fight of the week. I'm going with Luigi Benjamini, a split decision. But uh, not too confident. I just think that uh, Benjamini might be a little disrespected here with all the hype coming in on Pimlet. Pimlet is all very confident. He's saying first there was Brock Lesnar, then there was Ronda Rousey, and there was Conor McGregor. Now it's Pimlet. Pimlin think he's he's going to be the, the next uh, megastar coming out of the UK. And could he do it? Sure. But uh, against Ventramini, I, I thought they would have given him a little bit of an easier fight where he could have fought uh, somebody with a clear grappling deficiency. So, yeah, that's why I'm picking Ventramini. Maybe this was a little too high for Patty. We'll see. We'll see. It's going to be a tough fight for either guy, though. Yeah, 100%. Just one important, well, two things before I move on. Uh, the first one is, if, if you look at his losses, he lost against Cameron Elsie, now, now a UFC bantamweight. Uh, you know, amazingly, uh, back in the day, Paddy Pimlet made 135 pounds. Would you believe that? Anyway, uh, Cameron Elsie, uh, who's now in the UFC, he lost against him back early on in his career. Lost against Nad Narmani, who, who, who's in the UFC or was in the UFC. Yeah. He, I don't know whether he's been he's been released now, but he lost against Nad in Cage Wars, and then he lost against Soren Back, who's uh, over in Bellator doing phenomenal things over there. And you know, I, he, I think he might be in the top ten over there at 155 pounds, uh, a phenomenal fire. So, he, but if you look at his last two wins, you know, David Martinez and Decky Dalton, you know, not not the you know names that stand out, but you know, he he got that he got them two wins to get himself to get get himself inside the UFC, and now. It's for him to time to showcase uh, what he could do inside the octagon, and he will. He will get a second round submission. But before all that, make sure you pay attention to his walkout. If you think Darren Till has a good walkout, you, you, you've seen nothing. Paddy Pimlet is his entrance is is second tonight. It's one of the best I've ever seen in the world, and he's gonna he's gonna improve. He's gonna impress everyone with his walkout. But that's if. BT or ESPN show it. I hope they do. Sometimes they skip the walkout and it frustrates me so much. Yeah, yeah. I, I heard it's really good. Eric Hawani's been hyping it up. I, I've yet to see it, so I'm excited to see uh, what uh, what he does in that walkout. I heard the theme song is real catchy. Um, we're going to move on to the prelims. You don't want you don't want to miss Patty Plymouth's, uh 
entrance or the prelims. Molly McCann, she's fighting G, uh, Jim Jeong King. And this is this is a close fight. As you see right there, it's a pick em fight. Uh, it's hard to choose a side. But I'll choose the side that has a 10-inch reach advantage. Kim has a 10-inch reach advantage. And her style is very boxing heavy. She rarely throws kicks. She really doesn't uh, like for it to go to the ground. Uh, Molly McCain likes for it to go to the ground as well. But I think with the boxing style of Kim, she's going to use the jab effectively. And I think she can outpoint McCain here. I, I just think that the length of Kim could uh, give uh, McCain some serious problems. 100%. If you, if you look at uh, Molly McCain's mentality heading into the fight, she feels like there's pressure in this fight because she feels her job's on the line a little bit. So she's going into, you know, she, she needs to get a, a, a phenomenal performance. And uh, I believe, I believe she will. Yeah, this is a tough one. Cause uh, this is a, this is a battle of styles. McCann needs to take this one to the ground. Cause on the feet, it's going to be hard to reach Kim. So, uh, so on the ground, McCann will shine on the feet. Kim will uh, piece her up, I believe. So I think this is going to be a close one. Probably a split decision, but I'll side with Kim just because that length could, could give promise to almost anybody. Yeah, 100%. Uh, a, a fantastic one. Uh, we got Shaw, 14 0, one of the best prospects at Bantamweight against someone who just fought on the Oma Fire, Ludovic. Yeah, this is this is a wonderful matchup. Uh, Jack Shaw is a 5 1 favorite for a reason. He's undefeated, 14 0. He's finished most of his fights by submission. And I think he does the same thing that Ludovic Shiloni in here. Ludovic has clear gas tank issues. Uh, he's a he's an all or nothing kind of guy. Uh, he's an Armenian Armenian wrestling champion. In every single round he was on the ultimate fight, he made it competitive. The Ricky Tercios fight was the best fight of the season. Those guys were swinging bombs. They left it all out there. Um, and in that third round, when you're that tired. There's no way Jack Shore doesn't snatch up a submission. Yeah, I thought this was quite a, a good replacement. To be fair, Ludovic, you know, he's a great wrestler, a great fighter. So it, this is a dangerous fight for sure too, but he's 40-0 for a reason. And I think he stays undefeated this weekend. Uh, he's a fantastic prospect of Bantamweight. And uh, if he gets the win on this weekend, you, you know what? He He's a very, sh you know, I don't know, but... Does he get on the mic and call Sugar Sean out? I mean, I, I predicted it the other week um, with um, uh, Brian Kelliger. I said, yeah, Brian, I said he'll get on the get on the mic and he'll call out Sugar Sean. Sugar Sean is always at the end of the time with his bantamweights. And uh, Sean could be another one. He's unranked. Uh, Sugar Sean wants to fight an unranked guy because he feels like he needs to get paid more to fight these ranked people. And... Uh, I feel like you know this is an opportunity for sure to get on the mic and you know call his shot. That, that would be a really fun matchup, but I don't think this is the style that uh, Sugar Sean prefers to fight against for now. Uh, Shore will probably end up fighting uh, Sugar Sean because I think Shore will crack the top fifteen rankings soon enough. And uh, we're gonna move on to my pick for fight of the night. I think Julian Rosa versus uh, Charles Jordan is an awesome fight. How can, how can you not love this fight? Julian Rosa is coming off of KO loss uh, to, uh, man, I can't remember his name, but it was it was a gnarly one. And he's fighting Charles Jordan, who tends to win his fights by KO, even when he gets knocked down in the first. Song Jordan is the true who, who was it? Uh, Song Wu Choi. Yes, yes, Song Wu Chu. Song Wu Choi, um, and he got knocked down, bad and finished. Uh, and Charles Jordan, he fought uh, Josh Coolabout. He was a massive favorite. That was a draw. Uh, Charles Jordan got knocked down by Josh Josh Coolabout, and in the second he rallied, and the third as well. In the third, one judge even gave Charles Jordan a ten eight round, because he was uh, he was beating up. Uh, Cool about so bad. So that lets you know that Jordan has a really good gas tank. He's going to fight for every minute, every minute of those 15 minutes. And uh, also, when he fought Marcelo Rojo, he got tagged in the first. And what does he do? He finishes him in third. So he's going to fight for every minute. And Julia wrote, Julian Rosa, he usually wins fights because his opponent's gas 
usually does what Jordan does. He takes a beating early, and he beats them up when they get tired. Here's the problem with Julian Rosas uh, having this match against Charles Jordan. He's not going to have a tired guy in front of him, so he's not going to be able to capitalize on it. And he has a suspect chain, so I think Jordan cracks him in the second and finishes. You said at, at the beginning, how could you not love this fight? Well, I, I don't love this fight. Why would there be one reason why I don't love this fight? You're you're a Julian Arose fan? No, because it's not Leroy Murphy. Leroy Murphy versus Charles Jordan. That would have been an absolute banger. I, I, and I love Leroy Murphy. He's probably at the top of my list of the guys I'm most high of inside the UFC right now. He's fighting out of England. Leroy Murphy's got a bright future ahead of him. And I just wanted to see Leroy Murphy back inside the cage. He's been so long. Yeah, the winner, the winner of this fight should fight uh, Larone because Larone is a monster, man. I think, I think that's another guy with a massive potential. This featherweight division is crazy stacked. Yeah, hundred percent. I, I agree. Uh, we were talking about Paddy Pimley at, at, at the top of the, uh, the card. He he's fighting at well. Uh, um, he's fighting at uh, lightweight for this fight. But we have talked previously. He does want to go down to hundred forty-five pounds. Uh, so he's going to be checking with the UFC whether they want him to go down. Uh, but he intends to go down to 145 pounds, so he will add to that featherweight division. I would not mind the rematch with Julian Arosa. That would that would be very fun uh, to see that, because the first one was controversial. A lot of people thought that Arosa deserved a win. Uh, it would be so much fun to see it again. Uh, the next fight, it's pretty fun as well. Dolce Lugiambola, the judo specialist, with a crazy power in his hands, fighting Marc-Andre Barrel, who he fought to a split decision against Christoph Jotko in his UFC debut. That lets you know how good he is. Uh, he fought, was it Abu Azitan in his last fight? And how, that was a super sloppy fight at the end because those guys were tired beyond belief. I, I don't think I've ever seen a human being so tired in my life when Abu Azitan was in there with him. The guy was so tired, his mouthpiece fell out of his mouth because his mouth was wide open. And he reached down to grab it, and he fell. That that was that was almost pathetic, you know. Um, and Dolce Lungi on Bulla, he he doesn't have he doesn't have a great gas tank either, but it's not as bad as a boo. So uh, I think this is going to be about who's the stronger guy. And Dolce has those judo hips, man. The guy's built like a like a like a brick house, man. And I think he's going to be stronger than Mark Andre Barrel. Mark Andre li- likes to wear guys down against the cage and the clinch. And I, I don't know if he can out-muscle Dolce like that and uh, do that. So I think Dolce gets a couple takedowns here and wins the decision. Yeah, I understand. I agree with you. If you look at Dolce's you know, physical shape, he's in incredible shape. Uh, if you look at a guy, I think he lost to Magomed Ankalaev, maybe. Yes. Uh, it, 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 with, with that massive front kick down the middle. Yeah. Uh, I, that, was that his debut? It might have been. I'm not. I'm not sure. But yeah, he, he, as you mentioned, though, he's got incredible power in his hands too. Uh, and you know, we've seen in the past Mark Andre Barrett that he's he's very patient with his hands. But against Oscar, I think, was it against Oscar Pachota? Wait, he, he starts. Yeah, he's the KO. Yeah, yeah. So that that that's that's the key to victory for Mark. Is just let them hands go. But if he does let them go, he gets really tired. So it, it's a, it's yeah. a hard one. Yeah, it's a tough one to pick. Uh, Dolce Lungiambola, in my opinion, should not be the underdog here because I just think that the guy's really strong. And uh, Mark Andre, uh, he got out muscled by Jung Young Park. He got completely out wrestled over in South Korea. Uh, that was an unfortunate result for him. And I think Lungiambola can do something uh, similar. Yeah, yeah, but it's a phenomenal, a, ph- phenomenal, a phenomenal fight, and uh, I'm very excited to see. It. I, I, I believe there will be a KO in this one because both guys are gonna be either really tired or he's gonna they're gonna be clipped early on. Uh, I'm definitely tuning in for this one. I, I can't wait. But one you should definitely tune in for. Yes, it's the first fight of the evening, but you should always watch the first fights of the evening. These first guys because they're always the most entertaining. The ones that you miss are always the best fights. And Jonathan Martinez versus Mar- Marcelo Rojo, they're, they're going to have an absolutely phenomenal fight. And these these two guys are going to go at it. Uh, Jonathan Martinez is coming off you know, a, a big loss against David Grant. He, he got finished in that fight. A big left hook over the, uh, over the top, you know, knocked him out. Uh, but 
Mar- Marcelo Rojo is has, has one of the best post-fight um, celebrations. He does like the Jurassic Park, you know, the T-Rex thing. It's phenomenal. But we still haven't seen that inside the UFC cage. And, and uh, I, I still don't think we're going to see it. I think Jonathan Martinez gets back in the wing column. I do too. Uh, the reason he's not a huge favorite here is because uh, some people are questioning his durability after he got slept by uh, Davey Grant in his last fight. But let's not forget the first round of that fight was arguably a 10-8 round for Jonathan Martinez. He knocked down Davy Grant and was uh, trying to put him away. Um, but, uh, man, Davy Grant just made Martinez taste the power, and it made Martinez a little timid and eventually got knocked out. Uh, I think Martinez has a lot of potential. He's very talented. He's starting to put it all together. He's training with the great James Krause, who seemingly uh, has, has the ability to change fighters and make them significantly improve. Um, and Marcelo Rojo, on the other hand, he's actually one of Bren Moreno's uh, teammates. He was in his corner when he won the championship. Uh, so he's training with some really good guys uh, down in Mexico. Um, and I think he has the power in his hands to put away Martinez, but I, I don't know if he can land the proper shots on Martinez before Martinez lands the counter shots to put away Rojo. Rojo has been finished in the third round multiple times. That's a clear uh, gas tank issue. Uh, in the Charles Jordan fight, he got finished in the third round. He nearly put away Charles Jordan. I think Martinez is a tough guy. I think he survives a barrage early. And in the third round, he, he puts away Marcelo Rojo. If the Charles Jordan versus Julian Arosa fight is not the fight of the night, this will be. This will be ending in a finish, and both guys are going to put it all on the line. 100%. I'm so excited for this one. Uh, we're in for a treat this weekend if you're if you're from the UK. It's an absolute showcase. I'm, I'm so excited to see it. And uh, they definitely helped us out with the times too, so uh, I'm very happy about that. Anyway, the main event of the evening, Darren Silva versus Derek Bronson. Even that alone, if they had a card with just one fight, Derek Silva versus Derek Bronson, I'm still watching. And I'd probably still even pay for it because it's Darren Till. Darren Till's fighting. Everyone's watching. Yeah, Darren Till is one of the best fighters on social media. This guy loves to entertain. And I think he'll entertain the fans once again with this spectacular finish of Darren Brunson. Yeah, 100%. Uh, I'm so excited for this weekend. Darren Till, Paddy Pimlet, Thomas Bernal, uh, Meeple Molly. Uh, who else am I missing? Modestus Bukowskis. Oh, Modestus Bukowskis. How, how can I forget? Sorry, Modi. Uh, and, oh, man, there was one guy that should have been on this card, Leroy Murphy. Visa. He, it was an injury. It was Visa. Um, so, uh, uh, such a shame. Anyway, that really would have topped this card off. And that would have made it, you know, one of the one of the best cards I've ever seen. But this, this weekend, we're in for an absolute treat. We've even got Katie Taylor. Uh, I don't know whether you're a fan of boxing, but uh, an Irish, uh, Ireland boxer, Katie Taylor, uh, an absolute phenom over here in the UK for boxing, women's boxing. She's she's amazing. She's also fighting this weekend. Uh, very high on her. Uh, so maybe I'll talk about that next week. Uh, hopefully she does get the win. But man, Darren Till is going to put on an absolute performance. I'm so excited. Uh, I, I presume you're excited. And uh, yeah, let's th- let's round this off. Yeah, make sure to enjoy the fights. 100%. That's it. Oscar's put his last words in. Make sure you enjoy the fights and make sure you don't miss the early fights as well. The early fights are always the best fights. That The ones you miss are always the ones that you have to go rewatch because they're amazing. And also, make sure you watch Paddy Pimlet's uh, walkout because he's going to entertain and it's going to be the best one, best walkout you'll ever see inside the UFC. Ladies and gentlemen, tune in this weekend. One of the best UFC fight nights we'll have in a very long time. Thank you very much for joining. For me and Oscar, 